This is Fly Friday on Vlog Boss Radio, episode 115. socials thank you so much for tuning into this episode of vlog boss radio this is fly friday where i let you be a fly on the wall in a situation that i was in recently today i want to share an interview that i did with carlos gill when i was in san francisco last week for his show real talk which took place in the nasdaq entrepreneurial center so excited to share that with you in just a moment before we get to that i want to let you know if you missed the last episode of vlog boss radio my audiobook has arrived. If you also didn't know, Vlog Like a Boss is the name of my book, and the audiobook is finally here about six months later, but hey, better, better late than never. And I've just been so excited to hear all the feedback on Twitter, the reviews that are coming in, so much going on, and uh, just excited that there are people actually listening to it and enjoying it as much as I did enjoy recording it. And so that's really just, you know, the big, big announcement of the week. And also, if you missed the last episode, I actually played the entire introduction of the book in that podcast episode, just so you could hear, really get a feel for what was to come in the audiobook. Listen to it completely for free in episode 114. But then once you're all done with that, I want you to go get the audiobook and you could actually potentially get it for free. If you go to vloglikeaboss.com slash audiobook and start your 30-day free trial with audible.com, an Amazon company, then you could use that free credit that you get in that first month on Vlog Like a Boss and then there you go. You just got the book in audio form for free, which is great for the people that already bought it in paperback or hardcover or Kindle. You know, it's just a completely different experience and hopefully you can take advantage of that. So go check that out at vloglikeaboss.com slash audiobook that is the sponsor of today's show. So let's jump into this episode with Carlos just to give you a little bit of context if you haven't heard this yet either. I was in San Francisco presenting a class at Creative Live. So essentially this interview took place the day before. It was sort of my pre-production day. So we went over to the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center and did this interview with Carlos, did another interview with some other folks from NASDAQ, and then headed over to Creative Live after to really prep for the presentation, which was happening the next day. So quite a whirlwind, but definitely had some fun talking with Carlos. I think some really interesting questions that were asked both about vlogging, but also about sort of the social uh, sphere that we're in right now and how to best leverage them. We had a nice little chat, so I want you to tune in and listen to that. And here you go. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Carlos here. Welcome to another episode of Real Talk, my series in where I answer your social media questions and interview interesting guests in the world of business. I'm back at the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center here in San Francisco. And today I am joined by the one and only vlog boss, Miss Amy Schmittauer. Welcome to Real Talk, Amy. I'm so glad to finally be here, Carlos. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the set. So we previously did 
an interview of Real Talk at Social Media Marketing World. We you did. were on Real Talk 24. It was some real talk. There mm -hmm. was some real talk. Yeah. At the time, you had just come out with your book, which is Vlog Like a Boss. I know. It's like six months old now. It's funny when your children grow up to be so big. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk all about vlogging today. We've got the book right here, so we're going to talk about that mm -hmm. along with tips to help content creators out there in their vlogging journey. But first, let's talk about your journey. All right. So you've been killing it on YouTube for the last couple of years. You have thousands of followers. You've become a big inspiration for me personally. That's a big compliment, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank but you. What, what the viewers out there probably want to know about is your journey. How did you sure. get started before you became known as the Vlog Boss? How do you get started on YouTube? Definitely. So, I mean, YouTube, I just stumbled upon it. I The first video I ever made was for a bride who asked me to be in her wedding, and I wanted to make something special for her, and I did. That's how I got acquainted with editing, but this was back in 2007. So I started looking online. There's got to be an easy way to share video with people other than burning it on a DVD. So I literally just stumbled upon YouTube for that purpose. And then I saw, even in the early days, what the veterans were doing to sort of, like, just share their lives through video and I thought it was so fascinating that somebody could take a trip to Target and it looked like so much fun and so that's how I got into this world of vlogging and I thought if you can just have a camera and share your message that's a pretty cool thing that you get to do and so I just took my passion for editing and came up with a storyline throughout my life and that's how I started the Schmatastic channel which was my first YouTube channel and really where I figured out timing and storytelling and things like that on YouTube and then when I decided to go into the marketing industry I knew I needed a platform I started the Savvy Sexy Social YouTube channel and that's where I started educating businesses on social media I took what I learned from jump cutting and storytelling on YouTube that works sort of that cadence that happens on the platform and integrated business talk so that for those business owners that were having a really hard time catching on to why Facebook and things like that mattered at the time 2009 2010 that they could learn really quickly, but not want to die in the process. And we wanted to have fun with learning about this platform. And now in 2017, it's exciting because people love talking about social media marketing now, but they're just trying to wrap their mind around it. So I guess I was a little ahead of the curve on that. So. Now, now, one of the things that you mentioned is editing. And there's a certain style to mm -hmm. vlogging. There's a certain style to storytelling, sure. especially when it comes to YouTube. You mentioned things like jump cuts. Yeah. That style, is that something that you learned on your own, or did you go to school for it? Oh, yeah. I learned it on my own. I went to school for political science. This was not the plan. I just got on YouTube, and I was like, how is everybody doing what they're doing? I need to know this. And at the time, nobody wanted to share their process because it was so special. So it took a lot of research and just playing around with things. But you learn a lot when you spend time in the editing suite with nothing else to do but your passion. And you want to do it, so you learn quite a bit. So I'm completely self-taught. Uh, fortunately, made a lot of friends in the YouTube world that would be like, oh, this is the faster way, or try this, or try this editing tool. And so your process just gets better as you go. But that's always been the part that I love. Mm -hmm. Like, I love my business owner, entrepreneur friends, but they're like, why don't you outsource the editing? And I'm like, because it's my art. I love it. I, so I think, um, I think I just got so committed to it in the process of learning. It was really easy to be self-taught. Now, you've been in this game now for about 10 years from the time that you made your first video yeah. in 2007, yeah. it's now 2017. Yeah. You're teaching folks all over the world, but one thing that stood out to me that you just said is that you had some friends that helped you out yeah. along the way. Yeah. 
Do you mind naming sure. some of those folks who they were? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I mean, I've made quite a few friends over time that have taught me a lot about storytelling. Um, I probably learned most on the tech side from my actual tech review friends. So uh, people like Unbox Therapy, Marquez Brownlee, Austin Evans. Austin Evans has probably been the closest friend of mine in terms of YouTube. And he's one of those people that's really special that never had a job out of high school, has been doing YouTube for that long, and truly understands what it means to respect the audience audience and create something that matters but not steer steer away or move away from where you are your focus and I've always admired that about him he's taught me a lot about oh why are you on Adobe Final Cut so much easier for the kind of stuff we do and so I definitely appreciate him for that um, just Swoozy and Stevie Bobby just people that we've worked together over time and uh, they, I just learned quite a bit from what it means to take something that could be totally pointless fodder but make it really interesting. And I think if you can do that, you can take something that does matter, like business advice or just educating people, and make that fun. And that's what I've learned from them. Now you have different genres, if you will, on your, on your channel. So you have more daily vlog style content. Yeah. You also have educational content mm -hmm. where you're teaching individuals how to actually do things. Mm -hmm. So does one come more naturally? to you than the other? Oh, that's a really good question. It's funny because my first channel was all documentation. Okay. And so that was extremely natural to me, which is weird because there was a time before selfie sticks and, and smartphones that, you know, there was a girl talking to her point-and-shoot camera in the middle of the road and people thought I was nuts. So I did that for some time. When I started Savvy Sexy Social, I wanted there to be something there that felt natural to the audience, but also allowed me to come in with personality and sort of change the way they think. So Savvy Sexy Social started in 2011, more talking head style, but the jump cutting and the comedic timing and things like that are what changed uh, the perspective on talking head video a little bit for the people that okay. tuned in. So I published maybe three, 400 episodes doing it that way and not integrating a here's my life documentation style mm -hmm. because I wanted to just show commitment, show consistency, and give someone something to learn in less than five minutes so that they could move on with their day. Now that the channel has matured a little bit, I definitely have brought back sort of my roots of hey, here's what I'm up to, here's my day, vlog-style documentation, because now the audience is expecting a little bit more. It's not okay to just sit in front of the camera for three minutes anymore because people know I have so much more that I've learned, so much more I can share, so much more I can do. I mean, it... What year is it? Six years ago, I wouldn't have been sitting in the NASDAQ studio, but I would have been sitting in my home studio. And I think that it's really cool to show a progression on a channel of where you were and where you are yeah. now. I mean, the number of people that have gone back and said, I watched your first videos, and now I feel very <laughs> confident that I can start to, and, and I love that. No, agreed. I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that. You know, we're sitting here in this NASDAQ studio yeah. right now. This right here is essentially a metamorphosis of what started for me on Snapchat, yeah. creating Snapchat That's content right. that I was putting mm -hmm. on YouTube. And then NASDAQ said, like, hey, you're out there throwing keys on social media. Yeah. How about you use our studio and at least create content that looks a little better than just up, yeah. uh, uploading your snaps onto YouTube. That's right. Which brings me to, to this next point. So let's talk about equipment. You often have content creators that feel held back yeah. because they don't have access to a studio. They don't have access to you know, equipment, you know, nice cameras and whatnot. So speak to, if you're a content creator out there, do you need to have the nicest camera? Can you just use your iPhone to get by? Absolutely not. You do not need to have the nicest camera. The iPhone is 
the blessing that we've all been given to be able to document with what we're already carrying on us and won't leave the house without. Um, I think as somebody that started on a Canon power shot, it's something that I've gotten used to and I love having just like this little camera that's the designated vlogging camera versus my smartphone. But for people that are just getting started, if you're adding the barrier to entry as I need to buy equipment before, then you're really probably never gonna get started. It's very easy to say like, well, I gotta have the best mic, I have to have the best lighting, I have to have the best camera, and then I can start. And I know that those people are just adding reasons in front of the real one that might actually be the issue. And that is that there's some vulnerability that goes into being on video. And so I say start with your smartphone because as soon as you grow out of it, as soon as you're like, ugh, Okay, I keep forgetting to put my phone on airplane mode and I keep getting texts while I'm trying to film. And once you get to a point where you're like, I need better, go get better. But it's because you took action on it first and grew into the better, more mature equipment. There's a couple of things that, you, that you've said that have really stood out to me. Let's talk about more of like the essence and the core of mm -hmm. vlogging. So you mentioned personality mm -hmm. and you mentioned vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And I can just say, speaking from experience, I started vlogging in 2014 and quite frankly, I was awful <laughs> at vlogging. I felt that I would get on here, I, I would walk around in public with a camera, it looked very awkward and it didn't feel natural to me. Mm -hmm. And I felt that I have to over accentuate my personality mm -hmm. to connect mm -hmm. with the audience. And right. I know that's one thing that I hear from other content creators or aspiring content creators is one, how do you get past the fact that your life isn't just interesting all the time. In fact, there's some boring kind of slow periods. So what do I talk about that? So that's one thing that oftentimes I'll hear content creators mm -hmm. say to me on platforms like Snapchat or Instagram. So what do you say out there to someone that wants to go all in on YouTube? They see what you do, they see what other vloggers out there are putting out and they say, you know, I'd love to have a vlog as well, but I'm just not that interesting. Well, that's super easy to say, but everything you just mentioned, personality is only 5% of this. It, what we really need to be focused on is talent. And the more you focus on your personality and I don't have anything to talk about and I need to amplify my voice a little bit more and this is not looking right, that's all about you and not about the person watching it. And the only way that you're gonna have video that's effective is by looking at the lens of a camera like it's a human being and actually having a conversation with them like they feel like they're sitting there with you. And that's a completely different game. But if you're so focused on what do I look like, how's my hair, I sound ridiculous, I can't believe I'm listening to myself back, I hate myself. And when you do all of that, it's really hard to have a normal conversation with a person, right? If you can't have a normal conversation with a person, you shouldn't make video. Now, that being said, you have to get past the fact that you're talking to a device that is your vehicle to be the message to get to that person. That's the mindset shift. Once you do that, everything changes. I see what you did there by looking at the camera, by the way. I like that. I've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're vlogging, so those are good points that you bring up. And you know, I like your vlog. I like that you incorporate your personal life. You incorporate Vincenzo into it. Yeah, my so, fiance. So, let, so let's talk about though, how do you decide what goes into that daily vlog and what doesn't? I think the big thing that people miss the mark on is that it's even easier to say everything is boring because you're trying to include everything. Okay. The really great idea in terms of documentation is you can still document, but have focus. So what is going to be the takeaway, the moral of this story that is this video? It might be that I'm going about my day. We're documenting this right now for a vlog. This is gonna be the story of me presenting at Creative Live. So there are pieces and parts to that that work. I'm probably not gonna show you client meetings that took place while I was in San Francisco because that's extra fluff that doesn't really fit into the storyline of what goes into prepping and going on and presenting at Creative Live. So can 
can you pinpoint those things that actually matter for the camera while you're creating your vlog? And then your focus is gonna help you be able to be more intentional when you're getting that footage. Now, do you storyboard what a vlog is gonna look no. like throughout the day? No. Okay, so it's very natural. I, you have to know what the goal is and maybe why this matters, because if you're still, even if it feels like you're not talking to the camera, you're just kind of showing off what's going on, you're still talking to someone. You're still showing one person something. So what is the thing that you're trying to show them throughout this process? That's what you keep in mind. That's what gives you the focus of what to document and what not to. But that's as much of a storyboard as I pretty much do because I'm not going to tell the camera what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I'm doing and then the camera can just find out as it happens. So here's a question. I don't think I've ever asked any vlogger, content creator this question. Okay. When it comes to vlogging specifically, what action are you hoping that your audience takes? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, mine's fairly meta. Uh, I'm trying to get people to share their story with videos. So if you feel activated by my content, then I hope that it, you'll go and do that. But if that's not the right fit for someone, let's say they just want to be a public speaker or they want to have a podcast or they just want to rock out Instagram, I don't care exactly what it is as long as it's the passion that they care about that they haven't done. If they haven't done it yet, I hope I do my job to show them that they should go after that, that sh they should create the life that they want, even if it's not what everybody is saying is cool right now. Entrepreneurship is a very, very, very big deal, but it's also a very big responsibility. A lot of people don't necessarily need it in their lives, but we're hearing that it's the thing that you need to do. It's not, but you can still be the rock star personal brand of the life that you do want, and that's what I'm trying to get people to take action on once they've seen my stuff. Now, you have various channels out there for documenting, mm. and I just mm -hmm. want to point this out there. Yeah. You have Snapchat, which I'm a big fan of. I do have Snapchat, but I have to say Instagram <laughs> Ripping off Snapchat was like, oh, I'm real committed well, to Instagram that. How's now. that? How's that changed your approach to social media Here's, and storytelling? My feeling about it is this. First of all, I have to give Snapchat a lot of credit because they took the jump cut that YouTubers had in the early days and handed it to the average user mm -hmm. with a touch of a button. The fact that you can only record for 10 seconds or whatever it is now, 10. sometimes it's 15, I 15 think. 15 on places. IG. Yeah. So because of that, you're forced to snap the viewer into a new viewpoint. That is a, pretty much what a jump cut is. There's some more finesse to that, but that is why I loved Snapchat so much because it required you to keep the conversation very interesting. So I was all about it because I was also very, at the time with Instagram not having stories, very particular about what would go on Instagram. So the stuff that was sort of scrappy and like I don't care if I ever see this again, moments were perfect for Snapchat. However, Instagram rips off Snapchat and now you're talking about two components to crush it on one algorithm. And that's exciting. If you want your posts to do better on Instagram, let's see, well, what do you do? You make Instagram happy and use the stories feature. And so that sort of circulation has certainly helped my Instagram presence. And it's also given me a little bit more focus. I'm not opening more apps. And I can say to my community, I'm on YouTube, I'm on Twitter, and I'm on Instagram. Sure, Snapchat and Facebook exist, but that's not the core of the conversation. And how do you use specifically Snapchat or Instagram to leverage momentum for your vlogs? Oh, in a lot of ways. And I'm, I really, for the first time, I'm building this out in my creative live okay. presentation, which I'm so pumped about because Instagram stories is a lot of fun because they allow you to upload content in addition to do things sort of in, in real time. So I'm definitely showing behind the scenes mostly with Instagram stories of every aspect of business and life. But I'll also create custom graphics when a video is about to go live. I have the swipe up feature. I have a feeling that's gonna be rolling out to a lot more people soon 
soon, but that's nice because that's calling action to a link to a new video when it comes out. So I'm loving Instagram stories for that. Um, Instagram on my feed, the post specifically, is the same thing in terms of showing you in a more picturesque way what's happening in my life, but it's so interesting what's happening with Instagram and how it really needs to be this cohesive magazine of what your brand is. I love that about that. So I'm much more particular about those. Snapchat, I have to say, I've really kind of shafted lately. Now, now I do want to point out though, Snapchat recently rolled out the swipe up they feature did. to all users. That's very exciting. That was a that's very smart on their end because Indeed. I know there's a lot of people on Instagram that wish they had that feature, so it might be pulling more attention over there. Um, but yeah, I think they have to like keep competing though because these guys are dealing with the same features and it's not really innovation. So it's really tough to get the average user to care about swipe up. Yeah, and I know we've talked about this offline before, most recently mm -hmm. at Social Media Day Jacksonville. Yeah. YouTube for you is your home base, Absolutely. but then Instagram and you know when you were using Snapchat, if you go back to it, is more of a distribution means to go ahead and get people back over to YouTube. Absolutely, that be yeah, because I guess it's a similar story in terms of like Instagram posts versus mm -hmm. Instagram stories. Because Instagram posts are much more specific, just like my YouTube channel. The videos are very specific. I'm not just gonna upload anything. Every project matters. But there needs to be a conversation in between. So the YouTube comments are nice for that, and the Instagram comments are nice for that, but Instagram stories and Twitter are like those nice areas of conversation that you can have to reiterate what's happening in these other places. My Twitter, I have to say, I, I stopped doing all the things everybody was recommending, like scheduling your blog posts to go right. out or, or doing a lot of this automation because that is why I think a lot of people are getting frustrated with Twitter, that it doesn't work and it's not worth it anymore and it's gonna die. Well, it's because people aren't having real conversations there anymore and that's the one platform I feel like we still have that ability to do extremely well. So Twitter for me is, yeah, sure, there's a video coming out, but in between, there's a lot of at replies and conversation and there's also a lot of just like me being human in 140 characters or less and I think that the business community is losing sight of that. Well, I often say, often say look at this very similar to B2B marketing. Mm -hmm. you know, your top of the funnel is essentially going to be Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, and then you want to drive people back to where your home base is. Absolutely. I think everyone needs to have a home base, whether it's your website or whether, in this case, it's a content network like yeah, YouTube. But there's but there's home bases that you've kind of like put a, put a, there's a home base and then there's social that's like got a star next to it. Yes. YouTube has that star next to it and Instagram's getting really close so Would you me. consider YouTube though to be your home base or it's is not. it your star social I don't own channel? it. It can't okay. be my home base. My home base is SavvySexySocial.com, Aftermark.com, email marketing, where okay. I collect where the information. The yeah, because I don't know what's going to, YouTube could get mad at me tomorrow and shut my channel down. What am I going right. to do about that? I mean, I'd like to think I could give them a call, but I probably can't. Most people can't do that. So when you look at rented land like YouTube YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and you say that's my home base, you're really setting yourself up for an issue, especially when you look at something like the flux between Snapchat and Instagram, because you might need to see some movement happening there and you have to adjust for that. So when you adjust for that, do you have the ear of your audience somewhere that's reliable that you own in order for them to pay attention to you when you are making that shift? That's the critical thing. Okay, so I've got a question for you then. Mm -hmm. So I'm an up and coming aspiring content creator. Mm -hmm. I pick up your book, I go through all the keys and vlog like a boss, and I'm sitting here looking at the landscape of social media today. Let's face it, it's oversaturated. There's a lot of people everywhere, and sure. you have a lot of options. So sure. going into this, you can't just create content on one channel and let it sit there. You have to essentially be a power player on most of the big ones, like once again, Snapchat and Instagram. Yeah. So if you're sitting there though, and you're thinking, where's my video content going to live primarily? Mm -hmm. You have YouTube, mm -hmm. 
and you have Facebook. Mm -hmm. There's advantages of both. Yes. I know you're biased with YouTube, but let's speak about Facebook. Absolutely, all day. I will. This is what I'll say about Facebook. I think people forget that we have put a lot of our time, energy, and care into our Facebook presences. We've had a profile since whatever year. I mean, Facebook is still the darling, right? But when you forget that and then you upload a video and you see thousands of views on a video, you're like, wow, well, YouTube's kind of a jerk because I went and uploaded a video over there and I'm not getting any views. And it's like, you haven't been liking baby photos and like making friends and doing all of this work that you did on Facebook to nurture those relationships to make that happen. So it's a long, hard road. You just happen to be down it. So that's my opinion about sort of that um, frustration I think people have with YouTube. But Facebook is also very special because you're getting disruptive views. Mm -hmm. You just show up into people's lives, your video just starts playing on the newsfeed and you get attention. Now what are you doing to retain that attention? Bring people in, have them watch longer than three seconds, which is how long it takes to get a view. I mean, what did you do in three seconds to impress somebody? That's like right. really big, right? So that's, that's my feeling about that, but if you're just showing up on the scene, and like you said, you need to be on a lot of different things, I actually would challenge you to think about how you can leverage Facebook. I think Facebook is fantastic for the fact that you can send attention somewhere because you did all of that work. So in my opinion, where my home base is, my home base, my main social <laughs> network for video is YouTube, I'm probably more likely to go to Facebook Live, go live, okay. extend the conversation, say, hey, this is what I posted on YouTube today. Let's talk about it. Do you have questions about that? Can we take this conversation further? P.S. Go watch the video. Because posting a YouTube link on Facebook isn't going to get you anywhere. And I don't want to upload the video natively to Facebook because I'm trying to get my views over there. Now, I might do it later, but in the first 48 hours on YouTube, that's the most critical period of time for a YouTube video. Why is that? Because that's when the data is still kind of working itself out. You'll notice in your analytics, you really can't pull any real data about a YouTube video for two days. Okay. So YouTube's trying to figure out where it goes, and they're ranking it, and they're deranking it, they're moving it around, they're recommending it. After about 48 hours, it knows about the trajectory of this video. Is it normal, worse, or better? So you really want all the attention on that one link during that time. So if I'm going to share that video on Facebook, if it's eligible for Facebook, which means it needs to be extremely visually compelling to be interrupting somebody's period of time on Facebook where they're like liking baby photos and stalking their ex, I mean, it's gotta be a really right. big video to pull me in. So I'll repurpose it, but not for another couple of days or a week. So let me confirm then, home base for video content mm -hmm. is absolutely YouTube, no questions asked. However, if you wanna be successful, mm -hmm. you have to be omni-channel present on these other social networks where you can answer questions and promote your video content that lives on YouTube. All day, but I will also say if somebody says, no way, Facebook is where it's at for me, that's fine. But pay attention to the analytics. Because if you're doing all this work and you're making 20 minute videos because you think it's the mm -hmm. cool thing right now, and then you go into your insights and you see that you have a thousand views, but only 10 of them got past the 30 second mark, we've got a problem. So that's what I would say. You can choose Facebook and go all in on that, but it's not the second largest search engine in the world. And so that's my, my bias a little bit, but um, just know what you're signing up for and know what people are really doing. In either case, neither network wants you to link out. 
They want you to keep people on their platform. They want you to start sessions. They want you to have watch time. So just remember that because as soon as you start calling action elsewhere, the things are going to get difficult. But choose your home base and then go hard on it. But know what's happening. Don't just post blindly and think based on that view number or that organic reach number that that's your success rate because it's not. No. <laughs> Let's go ahead and talk about the book. So Vlog Like a Boss yeah. is your first book. It's yeah. a bestseller. It's a very nice quote here from Gary Vee. Yeah. Amy knows how to crush it to get attention. She got mine. Take notes. How did you get Gary's attention? How did I get his attention initially? Initially. Initially, uh, he, what did he do? Oh, he wrote a book. And he was doing the thing he does, the eight-hour live stream to say, hey, let me give you some advice, and then you go buy books. And I just happened to get on that stream and, and get his attention. I said, how many books do I need to buy mm -hmm. to drive you to the airport when you're visiting Columbus in a couple of weeks or months? And it was this back and forth, and he's like talking to his crew, like, oh, no, what do you think, guys? And it was this whole production. It was hilarious. But I ended up winning him over that way, and I uh, drove him to the airport. And I was so blown away by how personable he was. And I went in for a handshake, but he gave me a hug, and he'd already looked up my stuff before mm. we got in the car. And it was really interesting. I tell the story in the book, so if you want more details, you can do that. But the book hadn't come out yet, Jab, 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 Right Hook, that he wrote. When I read it a couple months later, I was so blown away by how actionable and amazing it was. I wanted everyone that watched my videos to have it. So I told him previously, I'll review it, but everyone on the planet was reviewing his book, so that's no big deal. So I decided to do a musical book review. And I re did that, and I sang a Mariah Carey Christmas song, and it was Crazy Town. And the funny thing, full circle, is the morning it came out, he was on Creative Live being interviewed by Chase Jarvis. So at the time, which was 2013, I think. Mm -hmm. it, live streaming was not quite as popular as it is today. Not as many people had access to it or they weren't really right. using Google Hangouts. And um, I was watching that stream so intently, like, when is he going to find out that I posted this video? I hope he finds out. I hope it gets through to him. And I sent him an email about it, and I thought, maybe he'll check his email. But no, it was because everybody was tweeting him saying, have you seen this musical book review? And that's how I got his attention. And then you also sang when the Ask Gary Vee book came out. Yeah, that by the time the next book was coming out, he's like, hey, Savvy Sexy Social, are you going to do another one of those <laughs> musical book reviews? And so it was kind of cool to actually be asked the next time, because otherwise I probably wouldn't have done it. And also, I got an advanced copy that time, so nice. got ahead of it. So let's talk a little bit more about the book, though, Vlog Like a Boss. Yeah. So what impact have you heard from readers or fans in your community that this this book has made on that. A lot of people that watch videos are now reading. I think that's okay. the biggest thing because they they bought the book <laughs> and they're reading it and they're reading it in one session. But I think the biggest thing is that when you're trying to attack something that you don't know how, it's sort of like shotgun effect and you're just trying to do anything, anywhere, anytime, and, and that's really bad for consistency. I think what people weren't expecting in this book is that it really is a marketing book hidden in a vlogging book <laughs> because it gives a real actionable plan for figuring out who is your person, like right. who is your viewer, knowing them, creating something that they love, and then being able to stay consistent with your why. And so then we go into details like YouTube and Facebook and gear and all that kind of 
fun stuff, which is the nerdy stuff that people love. But the fact that they can walk away from this with an actual plan to go after vlogging, no matter how they want to, it doesn't matter what network they choose. That's, I think, the biggest thing that I wanted to deliver and is actually happening. Well, what would you say are maybe one to two key takeaways that are actionable from this book? Uh, I think the first thing is just knocking down those fears. Okay. So we go over three major fears, and I'll have you read about them, but they really are big, and the biggest one being what are people going to think about me and getting past that vulnerability of making video. I think that's a really, really big takeaway for people because we're always thinking about people, are what they're going to think, but it's always not your viewer persona. Right. It's the people that aren't actually going to matter. It's the people that aren't actually going to be happy for you until you're like hitting a million subscribers and have your first book out and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, oh yeah, where have you been? When I was trying to do all this, working really hard. We have to get past those people and think about the ones that we're actually okay. gonna help. So that's a really big piece. So focus on the people that you serve that are consuming your content. Right. Don't focus on the naysayers. Exactly, exactly. Because that's actually gonna make you focus on the lens of the camera in the right way right. and not in the in your head way. Um, and the other more exciting, nerdy, actionable piece is definitely YouTube SEO. I go okay. over that in, in great detail because it's actually refreshingly not that hard. And there are some really great tools out there that can help you increase the likelihood of being discovered outside of your own community. Okay. And where can viewers out there buy Vlog Like a Boss? Vloglikeaboss.com will take you to your favorite retailer, and I'm very excited to say that the audiobook is finally coming out. Nice! So, When's that yeah. happening? Uh, as soon as they approve it. It's literally just been sitting in limbo, but I'm very excited. It's I think it's going to be in the next couple weeks. Nice. Congrats. Thank you. Now, last year in San Francisco, mm -hmm. you're doing a creative live presentation. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and drop, if you're watching this on YouTube, in the Description section. Yeah. I was say comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the description description the session. Yeah. <laughs> getting tongue tied here. We're gonna go ahead and drop a link to Amy's Creative Live presentation. Yeah. Maybe speak to the viewers out there what it is that you're gonna be doing at Creative Live. It's a very robust version of the book, but we're really going in a lot more detail. Things that I maybe wasn't doing at the time, like Instagram stories and things like that. Um, we're gonna go through gear in great detail. We have um, Vincenzo Landino and Blake Gidry from my team at Aftermark. We're gonna talk about gear extensively there. Okay. Um, everything from being the smartphone user to kind of wanting to be the setup stunner. And so that's um, really exciting. I think people are going to get uh, really into that. One thing I'm very excited about is making a video in real time, actually during the presentation. So I'm probably going to choose somebody from the audience okay. and have them come up and make a video. And then I'm going to show them how I edit it as well. So that's going to definitely be interesting for people that are like, how is editing possible? Show me the ways. So it's going to be A to Z, everything yeah. that you need to know yeah. about being a vlog boss. Definitely. Real talk, I mean, you've made a big impact on myself, thank how you. I approach YouTube, how I think about YouTube, how I create content. So thank you. You're so welcome. I want to recommend to the viewers out there, make sure that you get this book, Vlog Like a Boss. Make sure you also sign up for Amy's Create Live. Creative Live or Creative, Creative Live? Live? Creative Live. Creative yeah. Live class. And Amy, before we wrap up this interview, where can the viewers out there learn more about you and more importantly, connect with you? Uh, everything you need to know about me is at SavvySexySocial.com or you can go to YouTube.com slash SavvySexySocial and uh, learn more about my company at Aftermark.com. Excellent. Amy, thank you so much for joining me on Real Talk once again. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Carlos, for that chat. That was so great. It was nice to see you in San Francisco. And um, he actually put on Social Media Day Jacksonville in June and uh, invited me to speak there as well. So Carlos has just been doing a great job all over the place. So we appreciate him. Listener, I want you to remember to go pick up the audiobook of Vlog Like a Boss, vloglikeaboss.com slash audiobook. 
audiobook will potentially get you a free copy of that audiobook. So check that out. This has been your Fly Friday episode of Vlog Boss Radio, episode 115. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate it as always. And thank you for joining me on these shows, these episodes, these podcasts every week by subscribing. Be a connector today and send this podcast to someone you know who could thrive from some of the advice. Being able to play that role in someone's life is a small step to building your incredible platform and going after the life you want. This episode is available at SavvySexySocial.com slash 115. Subscribe for good vibes and I'll see you on the next one. Cheers. I know you want to vlog like me. I'll show you how to vlog like me because I'm a vlog boss. I know you want to vlog like me. I'll show you how to vlog like me because I'm a vlog boss. Vlog like a boss. Vlog like a boss. You vlog like a boss. Vlog like a boss. You vlog like a boss. Vlog like a boss. You you can vlog like me too because it's easy.